I got to tell you, even though Cormani McLean is still in limbo, Miami Hurricanes have one of the best cornerback tandems in the country head into the U in 2023. Let's talk about it. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So I will admit a weakness of mine is for as much as I cover and live and die by Miami's recruiting, um, I'm very, very bad at comparing Miami's class to classes of teams from outside the state. Like I, I can compare Miami's class to Florida, Florida State all day. But when it comes to the Bamas and the LSUs and the Georgias and the Ohio States of the world, I just don't follow their classes closely enough. And I wanted a little bit of help on that in certain aspects. And that's why we put out the bat signal for show favorite. Now he's backed by very popular demand because it was one of the highest reviewed episodes we've had in, in recent memory. Brian Smith is with us. Brian Smith from fan nation. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you doing very well, doing very well. Um, it is a rather unique uh, national signing day, post signing day because there's so many things that are still unraveling, not just Miami with Cormani, but like a lot of other things too, that uh, we'll, we'll be addressing later. I uh, just wanted <laughs> to drop that. It, uh, there's, there's some schools I have some questions about, uh, but uh, it, it's interesting with what you were talking about with the comparisons, because the corner classes, there's a handful that you can, you can argue different directions. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and so it's like even even before we figure out whether McLean is going to be a cane or not, I look at Robert Stafford and Damari Brown, who was the most recent addition on signing day, and you know both four stars. And a lot of people don't realize this. Not not that this stuff really matters, but you know I, I always talk about how underrated Robert Stafford is. Just doesn't get talked about a whole lot. He's actually ranked higher by twenty four seven than Damari Brown is. I was a little bit surprised when I double checked. My notes on that. Uh, I mean, for my money, this has got to be one of the best cornerback tandems in the country that's on their way to Miami. Like we were talking off air, Brian, about how loaded Georgia's class is and Alabama. How do you compare like the Stafford Brown duo to some of the others uh, around America? Well, I wrote the article yesterday on all hurricanes about Miami and Georgia. And I made it very obvious, assuming Cormani is in the class, I said, it's six one way, a half dozen the other. It just, you know, depends on your perspective. And I said, if I had to pick, I would go with Miami because Cormani is a very rare player that just takes the ball away. But if you just, if you can take him out and you look at it, the player for Georgia and every school in the country, I'm sure Miami offered him as well, they have is A.J. Harris. He's at a, one of the best programs in Alabama, Central High School in Phoenix City. He's going to Georgia. He's much like Cormani, six one. He's long, makes plays on the ball, et cetera. Those are, probably the two best corners, in my opinion, in the country. And he has three – there's three other corners in George's class that are really good. So one of them is Daniel Harris from, from Gulliver, just down the road from you. But Stafford and Brown, yeah. if, if they hadn't signed anybody else, and that doesn't even count, 
Antoine Jackson, by the way, who came up a year early from Dillard. I've seen him live several times. He would be most teams' best corner. He might be Miami's fourth if they sign Cormac. Just let that sink in for a second. I mean, he could play nickel, he could play boundary, whatever, and he's still going to get bigger because he's a year younger than some of these kids. I would take Miami's top two over George's top two if Cormani is out of it. That's what's unique. You and I were talking about that before the show. AJ would be the best, in my opinion, out of the groups, but Stafford is very good. And because he plays on the Space Coast over in the Melbourne, nobody covers that. They just don't. It's a pain in the butt to get there. There's no airport there. Coaches complain about it all the time to me. Well, I don't work college co- because there's no airport. There's nothing uh, you can do about it. But Miami got down there and recruited him early. He told me he loved how that staff got after him. And when I watched him at practice. I'm like, holy cow, this kid could play SWAT. He could play nickel SWAT. He, either side, it doesn't matter. And he's a kid that can be a big time on the ball, man in your face corner. And then you get Damari, who's from American Heritage. Name a program that does better with corners than American Heritage. I there can't. One. There isn't. It's the best in the country. It's not even debatable. And you bring him in. Again, this is without Cormani. That one, two, I'll put against any combination in the country. Bama, Georgia, LSU, whatever you want. And there's some great ones. I'm not, not debating that. Like Alabama got Desmond Ricks yesterday. Tremendous player. Another kid like Antoine that moved up a class. But that's one kid. The one, two punch, I want to take Miami. You know, so something sticking with the defensive secondary, maybe because maybe he's a small linebacker or, you know, or an average safety. Uh, the player I know least about in this class is Caleb Spencer out of yeah. uh, the state of Virginia. He was right. uh, a late October flip. He was an Oklahoma commit. Miami flipped him over Spencer. And, you know, it, it seems like he's kind of a tweener because he's officially listed, you know, 24-7 in the recruiting services, officially listed as a linebacker. A lot of people consider him a safety. Uh, maybe could play the star position at Miami. But uh, I don't know a whole lot about him, Brian. And you recently did a deep dive on mm. Caleb Spencer's film. So what wow. jumped out at you and what position do you think he can play? Well, the easier way to answer that is with another question. Which one doesn't he play? Okay. Um, it's it's interesting going through his film and of course in high school the best athlete you usually put in the middle of the field so they can't run or throw away from it. free safety or middle linebacker it's been done for decades it's not going to change there are plays where he's in the middle and it's a toss sweep and he gets to the boundary there are plays he's in the middle they run play action he comes up then he's fast enough to get to back in to help cover a pass for a 205 pound kid he runs much better than most guys his size. I'm not saying he's as fast as Cormani or Robert, but it's it's not a heck of a big difference. And he's got length and he's physical. I think most kids that come in 205, I kind of have a generic rule, barring something unforeseen and them just flat out starving themselves, college football players are going to gain 20 pounds. Yeah. In their career. I mean, like, conservatively. So ask yourself in three years when he's 225, is he going to play safety? Probably not. Is he going to start there in his career? Probably so. It's the maturation process. You've got to remember, this kid's probably not old enough to vote yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's going to add mass. He can play, as you mentioned, rightfully so, that hybrid spot. It's the hardest position on the field to play other than quarterback and because you got to line up against small guys, big guys, and everything in between and know a million checks. But he's a guy that's moved around a lot for his high school in Virginia. 
So that's going to give him an advantage. He's used to having to use this as much as his God-given ability to make plays and help organize a defense. That should help him with Mario Cristobal and everybody on the staff figuring out, okay, where am I going to be used? And he's probably going to be a package guy too. How many teams does Miami play that runs a traditional offense? Maybe one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody's in spread. So you've got a nickel corner or safety or whatever. So he might be the nickel safety. He might be a free safety for a while. There are going to be different spots for him depending on the opponent. It's, it's a great problem to have because he's got the skills to do any of that in coverage, which is what you're always looking for. It sure is. Uh, we're going to talk about the line of scrimmage when we come back. Now, of course, shouldn't surprise too many people that Mario Cristobal, who is obsessed with the offensive line, he's a former <laughs> O-lineman, former O-line coach, that they're loading up on the offensive line. So we got a lot to talk about with Brian Smith from Fan Nation, who joins us here on Locked on Canes. Guys, holiday season, we got to talk about the importance of driving sober. You know that driving high is considered driving under the influence. That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even the ones where marijuana is legal. So that means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? They do. Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Uh, and your first listen all throughout this national signing week, early signing week. It's been, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a great one to cover Alex Dono alongside Brian Smith from fan nation, colleague of mine at all hurricanes, uh, Brian on the offensive line, you know, Miami, Miami just crushed it. Uh, and it's not just, you know, I, people may think I'll start with the obvious ones, the five-star tackles, but uh, a lot of quality work being done in the interior as well. You know, Bruno Kinsler, Big Tommy Kinsler, Antonio Tripp, who doesn't get talked in, enough about because he's been he's been a commitment uh, at Miami for as long as I can remember. He was part of the first wave, not the second wave or the third wave. Do, do you think some of these guys that fly under the radar a little bit more could end up being, you know, multi-year starters at Miami? I think there is a couple of things with that. Number one, we'll, we'll get into Okunwola and obviously Big Fran in a sec, but there are three other kids that just aren't discussed. And Frankie Tenner, who's my favorite surprise yeah. player in the class. Yeah. You got Tripp that you mentioned. And Kinsler is a kid that I've seen several times. He's got a program I'm very familiar with. He's as athletic and offensive lineman as there is in the country. Uh, nobody talks. He, again, kind of like with Stafford, we are talking about in the last segment. Nobody scouts Ocala. They just don't. It's just out of the way. So if you look at it, Realistically, Kinsler is a tackle that can play guard and a guard that can play. He's, he's a freak. He's got incredible limberness and everything else. It's just a matter of how long does it take him to adjust to the collegiate level. Like anything else, offensive line is a development position. We'll see. But Tripp, he is arguably as important as any of the five. Why? He can play center. Yes. In today's college football. Left tackle and center. It ain't even close. Those and they the lost spots. Connor Lou, so they need a guy who can play center. He's important. Now, I'm not saying somebody else couldn't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going that far. But 
he seems ideal. His personality is that way. He talks about team. If you follow him on social media, why not? You need that kind of personality there. And again, as, as you mentioned earlier, Mr. Cristobal played offensive line. He understands that. If you don't have a good center organizing things up front, guys like Oakland are just not as valuable. You have to maximize your talent, and a lot of it is above the shoulders. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. Last quick point, Tenelau is a kid that nobody talks about. He played at a high school in LaSalle that I didn't even know existed, literally, until this I had no idea. I didn't. And yeah. then I'm like, I, I'd heard of it. I didn't know if they even had a football team or not. That's you know. Yeah, and I watched his film out there, and I'm like, this is a massive young man that can move in space. He did pretty good on screens, outside plays, so he's a good athlete. I just think he needs to work on his flexibility and just getting used to playing better competition. He can play at the Miami level, and he had offers from Oregon and other schools. But because of the class he's in, nobody talks about him. So yeah. he's got a chance to play at some point for Miami as well. Tremendous, tremendous offensive line class, of course, anchored by the two big tackles. That's They're both going to play early. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they started next year. Yeah, and, and it's like, um, yeah, when we talk about Samson, Okun, Lola, Francis, Maui, Goa, um, first of all, you know, there was there's a little bit of a debate as to how good Miami's cornerback class is. Like, is there even any debate that it's the best offensive line class in the country? I mean, they got the top two tackles in the country in the same class. The only one that can really there's, there's three or four. I mean, everybody's got their own mm. opinion. Caden Proctor is going to Alabama. Uh, there's one big kid that's going to Notre Dame. They're in that that ballpark. But at the same time, there's no team that has again, it's about putting pieces together, yeah. not one, groups. And if you can put bookends, you could play Fran at guard if you want. There's a yeah. lot of ways you could do that with him. I I don't know what they're going to do. It depends on how you get your best five onto the field. Alex Mirabal and Cristobal can figure that out. That's what they get paid millions of dollars to do. But maybe early on you put Fran next to Okunlowa. I don't know. You could run a lot of power sets with those two guys. That would be intriguing. So – Long term, I think they'll be on each end, but short term, I wouldn't be surprised if they broke Fran in as a guard just to get him in a situation because he's a mauler. I mean, the guy's just incredibly strong. So if they did that, it wouldn't be surprising. But the odds of at least one of the two not starting next year is low. Let's be honest, the last staff did not do a good job with the portal or anything else on stocking the they did a terrible job by yeah. Miami State. They just did. They didn't get enough numbers. It wasn't even quality. They just flat didn't get enough numbers. And, of course, this year on top of it, when it rains, it pours. They had – remember, multiple games, they had two or three guys. I mean, you're just not going to be good. Yeah. There's no continuity. So there may be some hiccups this next year with the, with the new kids coming in. I know Miami fans are not real patient. It is what it is. I mean, you have to – they have to get playing time. There's no way around it. So this is the start of the process. It doesn't mean you're going to go 12-0 and 0 next year. Mm. A reminder. So yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's a process, but they have the components now, and that's where you got to start. Uh, it takes a long time to develop a line, so it was critical that they got a five man class. Great job by Ryan and staff. Yeah, and a lot of good work is being done on the defensive line as well. Uh, obviously, more more quality and quantity on the edge. I mean, when you add somebody like. Ruben Bain and Jaden Wayne and I, I think Collins Achiam Pong is going to be a really interesting project. Well, what's your opinion on Collins, Brian? Because he's obviously he's a little raw just given his background, uh, but he he just has the physicality and the athleticism to be 
you know, uh, I, I hate to do this, but I, I get just by You're looking close. at him, I get some Calais Campbell type of vibes with him based on the based on the height and the size. A couple of things on him. I did I did some research. His family is from Ghana. It's not a good situation. He comes over. He's in the greater L.A. area. He's a hooper and yeah. he dunks everything. I have seen <laughs> I have seen a grand total of one clip of him playing football from like huddle or whatever. I've seen him live at Under Armour Future 50 in Bradenton, but he is as raw as it gets. He's a redshirt kid. There's no question mm, in my yeah. mind. But as a junior, he's kid freshman, a redshirt. Second year, he might play a little bit. He's going to have a leap year, if you will, because he's new to football. But his arms, like when I walked up to him and I shook his hand, his arms are so long, and, he, and he's a nice kid too, by the way. He has all the components that either you have them or you don't. Right. And he's trying to take care of his mother. He is motivated. So it's going to be unique with him. The other two kids will play earlier, but his upside's as high as it, Bain included, as high as anybody. Yeah. So really unique prospect. Yeah, and do, do you think uh, – is Miami doing enough at tackle? I, I'd figure more needs to come in the portal. Like, uh, you know, Joshua Horton coming in as a freshman, I like him a lot. I think he's a little underrated. You know, uh, Thomas Gore, I don't know if you know a lot about Thomas Gore who came in through the portal, but everybody tells me do not judge this guy on his – lack of size at you know six foot 270 the, the the measurables don't jump off the page for defensive tackle but everyone I speak to about him is pretty high about him let's start with Gore I agree with, with what little film I've seen he has to play in a one gap scheme he's not going to two gap guys like Alabama or Georgia do but he's capable of getting in the backfield they look Miami runs that scheme anyway they had 37 sacks this past year one of the reasons they played athleticism over size, yeah. and he he fits that. Did you recruit to your scheme as something that I, I bitch and complain about with, whether it's you know scout or twenty four seven rivals on three? They just put numbers out there, and I know one of the reasons why is they don't want to tick off anybody. But if you recruit to your scheme and to certain coaches, your value is higher. That that's the other thing. I, I have backdoor conversations with guys on this. If a kid goes to a certain school, his ranking is higher because the coaching is better. Well, you can't publish that because then you don't get any inside information. Anymore. Right, right. But like a Mesador and some of these guys, they fit the scheme, and that's what Gore does. That brings his ranking up. He picked a school that fits what he does. I think he'll contribute and play quite a bit next year. Um, Horton is a monster in the making. It's just up to him. I, I know him. I'm familiar with the Langston Youth Program. I've been up there a few times in Atlanta. He is a massive young man, it's 295, give or take. Uh, pretty quiet kid, but when he latches on to somebody, he can snatch him and move him. Again, either you have the ability or you do not. Like seeing him go against somebody like Fran in one on one battles would be a blast. Yeah. That, that's why football is fun. He's one of those kids that physically can battle with Fran, battle with Samson Okanola, and do well. That's my best way to assess it for somebody out there that hasn't seen him. But you, go check out his film. It, it's 
South Florida is is a good football. I'm surprised he wasn't ranked high. He's at a program yeah. that just won the 6A state championship. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because when and I first like, started talking about him, like people were asking me, well, okay, you did like because I, I was I, I was reading his stats, which mm -hmm. are incredible, the stats he's put up. And then, you know, a lot of people from South Florida who aren't familiar with Langston Hughes are like, oh, well, mm -hmm. did this guy come from some garbage team in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, no, this is this is a, a powerhouse Georgia football program. They last year, they lost the state title game. Their kicker missed a field goal at the buzzer. Oh, this man. year, this year, they won it by seven. But here's the key. Wow. I went through and averaged it out. Before they played the state title game, the closest game they had was 26 points. And they were playing 6A competition on oh the goodness. south side of Atlanta. Wow. They weren't beating teams. They were humiliating them. Now, a few of them are scrub teams or whatever. Yeah. But they, I mean, the games were over by halftime. Sheesh. And they lost their best player last year was a running back assigned with Georgia Tech. They just reloaded. So that area, Miami, got some other kids too. Atlanta's just insane. It's, it's, the, it's just like Miami. Everywhere around the city, there's a prospect. Yeah, you just got to go recruit it, and they've done that. So, I think Miami's <laughs> going to make Atlanta a big part of their game, and uh, Horton's just an example of that. Well, that's awesome to hear, and these are exciting times. I appreciate Brian Smith for giving us some time on this episode. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at FB Scout underscore Florida. Check out his work, Fan Nation, including all Hurricanes. Brian, I can't thank you enough for the time, my friend, and Merry Christmas, and have a happy holiday season. Same to you, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, guys. And yeah, so uh, this is, uh, I think this is our last episode before Christmas, unless something really, really crazy happens. So Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all. We'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.